Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. Amen. Help me welcome our internet family, would you? God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. (laughs) Well, we welcome you. We're going to dive right into our series. This is our third week on faith and reason. Go ahead and say that, faith and reason. We're looking at not just what we believe, but why we believe it. It's very important that, that we know that. And uh, do we believe things just because we were told along the way or raised in a certain house or area or whatever? It's very important that we also know why we believe. Today we're going to talk about God and science. Um, this is a pretty important thing. Got a science teacher over there. And uh, uh, look at some real important things this morning. Next week we're going to be talking about the authenticity and the authority of God's Word. We're going to give you some history and some things that just really... Uh, give us real security in, in, like I said, the authenticity and the authority of God's word. Some incredible things that we'll be looking at um, next week. Let's go ahead and look in first Peter this morning. And it says, but in your hearts, everybody say my heart in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with what gentleness And with respect, we're not to be these rude religious people. Um, We're to be salt and light and and sugar. We are to be some sweet folks as well. Amen. Are y'all out there? All right, because I can look at you right here. So, Christianity invites us. Christianity can handle it. It invites us to explore, to ask questions, to think. What that does, that weighs out our faith, and a faith that has been weighed out is a much more valuable faith. It also, Christianity invites us not just to explore and to think, but it also invites us to believe. And I'm encouraging you this morning to believe. And if you're not a believer, to be a believer. And we're going to talk a little bit how to get past some things that maybe science we thought put in the way, and actually they're not, they're not in the way. So all of this requires what we're calling faith and reason. So that's our heart and it's our head. And you must have an honest heart and an open mind. And if you have an honest heart and an open mind and you seek, you get on a path that the Bible says you seek and you will will find. And I believe that you will find a creator, redeemer God who loves you and is, is, wants to be in your life, help you in this life. And as I said a little bit earlier, he wants to give you a home in heaven forever as well. So, as I said, today's topic, we're going to talk about God and science. Um, I'm going to be clipping along pretty, pretty quickly here. I've got a lot of information. I told my wife the other day, I said, I cannot do a sermon like this every week because of the amount of research that, that goes with it. So I've tried to condense this and make this really clear because we're going somewhere incredible with what we look at uh, today. And science has always intrigued me. And um, yet sometimes science is viewed as, as the enemy or so counter to Christianity. And it's one of the reasons I've called it God and science and not God versus science. And uh, we're going to see how some things actually complement themselves uh, pretty good. Now, because I'm going to work, be working off of a lot of things, I'm going to stay pretty close to my notes today. And, uh, and like I said, we'll be clipping along. Before I get really, really started here, can I share with you my favorite science joke? 
never trust an atom. They make up everything. Isn't that good? All right, thank you. Thank you very much. Science, everybody say science. Science studies the natural, material, physical world. And God is not restricted to just the physical world. So science is not able to fully, properly study God or explain God. And so we end up with God and science. But you only have science because of God and what he has made. And then the scripture talks about numerous ways that we explore the handiworks of God and that his glory is seen in all that he has, all that he has made. Look with me, if you will, in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not believing God. And, if, and, and you can look into creation and you can see a creator. And wherever you find des, design, there is a designer. And everything by general revelation, uh, no one with, is without excuse because God has demonstrated, he's revealed himself in what he has created that you're able to see attributes and qualities of God in everything that he has made. So again, it's God and science. It's not God versus science. We should not fear science. We should not view uh, science as being an enemy of faith. Up until the 19th century, that was the 1800s. Were any of y'all around then? Um, I actually had one guy first service. I think he misunderstood the question. Up until the 19th century, that's the 1800s, the majority of scientists were actually believers, were actually Christians. They saw no conflict with God and science. Then in the early 19th century, there was the rise of something called naturalism. Naturalism. Some of the leaders of this would be Charles Darwin, Sigmund Freud, and a movement began to rise called naturalism. You need to know that one of the leaders in this, Charles Darwin, was actually a PK. He was a preacher's kid. And he was disillusioned and angry about a number of things. And and part of, if he had an agenda, it was to discount the whole idea of God and so forth. And so naturalism took rise, though, in in a great way. Many other voices, Darwin, Freud, and so forth, were part of that. Naturalism is actually a worldview. Everybody has a worldview. And a worldview is, is the lens. We've talked about this numerous, numerous times. A worldview is the lens through which you look at everything. The earth, how it started, um, its people, its problems, its solutions, everything else. You look at life, your world, through a certain view. And naturalism is a world view. Let me describe it a little bit. In naturalism, everything rises from natural properties and causes. Non-conscious cosmic process caused everything to come about. The supernatural or spiritual explanations or activities are excluded in naturalism. There's no room for God or for anything um, beyond just what can explain, be explained by natural things. So the universe, for those that have a naturalism as a worldview, is a closed box. It's a closed box. And so everything in the box came from what's in the box. And if anything happens in the box... That is caused by something else in the box. And there's nothing outside the box. Everything's just in the box. 
And that's their world. That's their universe. And that if there were anything outside the box, it could never have any effect on the things inside the box. So that worldview prevents you from believing in God. It prevents you from believing in miracles. There's no way there was a virgin birth and incarnation and resurrection or anything else like that. There's no way that God leads you. There's no way prayers are going to be answered. There is no God. There's nothing outside this box that I can't, ex- that I can't explain or experience through my five senses. And so that's naturalism, and it is a closed box. And there are many that are in in that worldview. It prevents them from believing, yet it cannot explain. Naturalism cannot explain why we have the laws of logic. How did that come about? It cannot explain the orderly, beautiful nature of the universe. It cannot explain moral values. It's just science only. The mantra is this, all we have, all we are, all we know comes only from and through science. And so science becomes their faith. However, as a believer, are there any believers here today? Any, any Christians here today? We have a worldview that could be called supernaturalism. It also could be called supranaturalism in that something above and beyond. But in supernaturalism, this is our box. Our box is actually open. We don't think that what was in the box created what's in the box. We believe that something beyond the box, y'all with me, made what's in the box. We believe that there's so much beyond the box that helps us in the box. I'm a believer that, and I want my box to be wide open. I'm a believer that I get help from above, that I can get wisdom from God, that God would lead me, that God would protect me, that God sees me, that he would bless me, that he would help me in this life. I believe that I'm never alone and I'm never without help. And I believe one day beyond my box is heaven. And so this view is quite different. We don't deny what we can see and feel and touch and hear and smell with our five senses. All of those things are very, very real. But we just happen to believe that there's something beyond just nature. There's something beyond just the box. And what I want to do this morning is hopefully show you how science gives evidence of that. Um, as we look at all of this this morning. And whereas naturalism says all we have and are and know can only come from and through science, with supernaturalism, we believe that in him we live and move and have our being. Amen. Quickly, let's look at the nature of God and and science. Um, And here's where confusion or conflict would come up. So first of all, science. Let's go to science just real quick here. Science attempts to discover knowledge through what is called empirical methods. That's verifiable things. Can you see it? Can you touch it? Can you hear it? It's very verifiable. Observing and experiencing things, as I said, through our five senses. So what are our five senses? We can hear, we can see, we can smell, we can taste, we can touch. And so through those five senses, that's what science does. So science is beyond that, science cannot explore it. Beyond the five senses, science cannot explain it or come to know it. So science automatically is limited at that point as far as it cannot answer the questions of the meaning of life. It cannot answer questions concerning the nature of truth, moral feelings, uh, moral values, feelings, the person, the character, the nature of God. It can neither prove God nor disprove God. Then we go to the Bible. Let's look at the nature of the Bible real quick. And again, 
science is limited in that science cannot address spiritual issues. So if, if there's depression in your life, if there's confusion in your life, problems of life, things that you feel, science cannot help you with those things. Science tries to by altering your chemistry. And so that's why we have so many, our, our culture, the, the United States culture, we're the most medicated people on the planet. But because we're trying to get something natural, you know, science-wise that can help us. Why am I depressed? Why am I sad? Why am I anxious? And, and science cannot address spiritual issues. They're trying to do it and alter it in other, other ways. That's a message for another time. But the Bible, just as science cannot address spiritual issues, understand that the Bible, everybody say Bible... The Bible does not pretend to position itself as some kind of science textbook. So, the conflict happens when science tries to speak beyond its realm, or the conflict or confusion comes when we try to make the Bible speak beyond what it is intended to do. Do you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes well-meaning people try to push what the Bible says beyond what the Bible is really trying to say or intending to say on some things. So, for example, let's go to the book of Genesis. We're not going to read right now, but in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, it talks about creation. And if we're not careful, we will, tra- we will take everything very, very literal in what the Bible is saying concerning creation. And I believe we're created. I'll make a good point of that in a moment. But, but there are some things we have to understand about how you interpret the Bible. And part of that is you must know the genre of each book. And the the book of Genesis is not a scientific book. The book of Genesis, you ready for this? It's poetic. And so there are are literary tools that are used and devices in the book of Genesis that maybe we might be going a little far trying to make those scientific terms. I won't go into all of that right now except to say this. In the Bible, in the book of Genesis, the Bible tells us two main things about creation. Here they are. First one, God did it. Second one, it was good. Okay? So we get our creation lesson, everybody with me? One more time. God did it. It was good. What it does not do is tell us how. It does not tell us how. It gives us some ideas on some things. We're not going to explore into all of that today, but let me say this. Without a doubt, the Bible says we were created by a creator God. We're fearfully, wonderfully, carefully designed, supernaturally generated, and guided by God, but it does not say how. What well, says we're formed from the dust of the earth, and they breathe the breath of life. Those are literary devices, and, and sometimes that's a little hard to explain. However, our creation is supernatural, but there are scientific elements involved in it all because it is the work of God. God authored both faith and science. Now, what many non-Christians currently believe is based on 19th century science. A lot of what you were taught in high school and even in college is actually some old science. Current modern science has changed on a number of things, and this is pretty exciting. They believe that the universe cannot self-sustain They believe that it depends on something outside of itself. 
and also that it had a beginning. And this is contrary to some of the old science thinking that came from the 19th century that was still being taught when you and I went through high school. And so we have a mindset that is very prevalent in our culture today that is not up to speed with what current modern science is saying. Current modern science, again, says it cannot self-sustain. It depends on something outside of itself, and it had a beginning. Over 90% of your current leading scientists believe that. So let's look at a number of things. These are going to be some technical terms. I'm going to make them as simple as possible because it's me telling you. So the first one would be this, fine-tuning. Everybody say fine-tuning. Fine-tuning says that the universe and nature are very finely tuned. And by that, it means this, that if, if things got off, even by a small degree, nothing would exist. For example, our distance from the sun. If we were just a little more closer, you would need more than sunscreen. If we were a little bit further away, talk about chill, okay, we would no longer exist. The gravitational constants that hold everything where they are, the planets and even the pressures uh, within our own atmosphere, um, if they were any stronger, if they were any weaker, there would be nothing left. Our distance from the sun, the temperature, the speed of rotation, all of these things Scientists believe that the universe is continuing to to expand. Do you remember in the Bible it says God said, let there be light? It was at that beginning that light began. And scientists say that light continues to go out at the speed of light. Our, Our universe is continuing to expand. So if it is expanding, scientists conclude that it must have had a beginning. And then the controlled expansion rate of that. If it were any slower, it would collapse. If it's any faster, it would come apart. Science gives clear evidence for a creator, for a grand designer. Again, where there's a design, where there's such fine-tuning, there has to be something beyond just what's in the box. I believe that points to God. Another term is this, intelligent design. Say that with me intelligent design. Um, Fine-tuning points to that. This could not have happened all by accident. It demands an explanation. There has to have been what science calls an intelligence. Science will at least give you that. There is an intelligence beyond us. They don't give that necessarily a persona, all of them, but I believe that intelligence also points to God. Let's look at this specified complexity. Say that with me. Specified complexity. Now listen, when you walk out of here today, you're going to be a whole lot smarter than when you came in, okay? So I don't want you acting cocky at lunch, all right? You with me? Specified complexity, which means this. The word specify, the word specify means to give clear directions, clear directions. For example, God told Noah to build an ark and he gave him clear directions. He gave him specified complexity. So complexity means not simple. It means complex. So if you have something that is alone, that is simple. If we had one log, that's simple. But if 10,000 logs fell out of the sky, you would have a pile of them. You would have a mess and that would be complex. 
It would be complex, but it wouldn't be specified. But if somehow 10,000 logs fell out of the sky and they ended up cut into different shapes and sizes and formed a house, now you have what? Specified complexity. Let's move on to Scrabble. How many of you know what Scrabble is? (sighs) Okay. I don't know why I'm talking about specified complexity. You don't even know what Scrabble is. Okay, it's a game, okay? And you use letters and you form words, okay? So if one million Scrabble letters fell out of the sky, you would have a mess. But if you could specify that as those letters fell out of the sky, that they formed words and they formed sentences and paragraphs and wrote a novel, you would have specified complexity. Guess what that is? DNA. That's what DNA is. Now, I can't go into it because I don't understand it all, but what I've been able to grab from this, I want to bring to you, the codes of DNA. We've got a couple of pictures here. The the codes of DNA, what is woven into this in every life form, in every life form, there is DNA. It is digital. It has its own rules. It has an alphabet to it. It writes things. It creates Uh, computers break it all down. It creates blueprints for every life form, alphabet, words, punctuation, rules. It's It's a complex language and it communicates specific and consistent information, meaning, and directions. DNA tells proteins exactly what and how to build things. DNA will tell certain things, and it, and it is predictable. It will, it will tell proteins to form a bird's beak or a dog's eye or a human brain or the root of a tree or a peach and the fuzz on the peach. DNA is building blueprints, giving instructions all the way through. Folks, that is what you call specified complexity. And there's no way that that could just happen. If scientists suddenly got messages today from outer space, and it had a code and a language, not even near the complexity and specification of DNA, scientists would determine that is an intelligent life form. They would actually call it and do call it super intelligence. So whatever was behind DNA is called a super intelligence. I believe that DNA just in itself is compelling and convincing evidence that there is a super intelligent creator, God. Amen. Amen. Now, science can only take you just so far. And then from there, take a leap of faith and believe. It's a short leap. I'm all for short leaps. It's not even risky. Science gives evidence of a creator, redeemer, God. And what you need to do, don't be afraid of science. If you follow science with an honest heart and an open mind, it will take you to a place I'm going to show you how some other people have jumped in just a second. And then you take that leap of faith and choose to believe 
And the God that you have evidence of becomes very, very real in your life. And you open up your box and now you have help and you have peace and you have wisdom and you have things happen in your life and things present in your life you could never explain if your box was closed. But once you open it up, you realize there's a great, big, wonderful God that's above my box and within my box and in him I live and I move and I have my being. I'm just telling you, open up your box today. Listen to this real quick. There's a book out, pretty new book, called Real Scientist, Real Faith. This would be a good read for you. You can get it just about anywhere, certainly on Amazon. It's 17 leading senior scientists, and that's important because these aren't novices. And the 17 different areas from around the world, and guess what? They're real scientists, and they have a real faith in God. I want to read you some quotes by a couple of scientists beyond the ones that are listed in here. Listen to this. This is by Fred Heron. He's a noted science journalist. He said, when I was younger, I thought there were contradictions between the Bible and science. But as I studied science, I realized we do have a creator who's outside the universe. And that revelation led me to the Bible, which in turn led me to Jesus Christ. Alan Sandage One of today's leading astronomers says, we cannot understand the universe in any clear way without the supernatural. Science led me to believe in a creator and to trust Christ as my savior. Francis Collin, he led the human genome project that gave us much of our DNA information. He's currently the director of National Institutes of Health. He says this regarding DNA. It is God's elegant plan for creating life and humankind. And Dr. Collins is an outspoken believer. Listen, believing in God is not irrational. It's not not non-rational. Do you know what it is? It's, sweetie, go back over to daddy. I love you so much. You're beautiful. (laughs) Believing in God is not non-rational. Believing in God is supra national, uh, uh, rational, because God is beyond our logic. But what we can logically, reasonably observe in creation and in science gives us evidence to go to that place where we say there's certainly something smarter than us. There's certainly something bigger than us. This did not just all happen. And that's why we need not be afraid to explore and to ask. And and science is not the enemy. Science is actually a path that God put out in front of us so that we can explore and get more and more evidence of him. I encourage all of us today, this whole study has strengthened my faith. I encourage you today to go ahead and take that leap again and believe in a creator, redeemer, God, who's always bigger than what we can figure out. But his evidence is everywhere. And once you believe, his presence is in you your life. Amen. Do you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.